This episode is brought to you by Fetch. Fetch is a kennel alternative right here in Denver, not a traditional doggy daycare or boarding school. They offer one-on-one private pet care for all kinds of pets, both furry and non-furry. And their employees are experienced, insured, bonded, and background checked. So you can rest easy knowing your pet is in good hands. Basically, they know pets. Um, I used to watch a Burmese mountain dog named Sven, who was just like walking a polar bear. It was insane. (laughs) Fetch offers pet sitting, dog walking, pet taxi, medication administration, and more. And he hated going on walks. I could like walk him around the block and then he was like, he just like to lay in the bathtub. So if you're looking for high quality pet care you can trust, check out Fetch at northdenver.fetchpetcare.com. That's northdenver.fetchpetcare.com. Today on CityCast Denver. It's been less than a month since five people were killed and 22 were injured in a mass shooting at a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs. And while the breaking news alerts have faded, the narrative about Colorado Springs remains that it's a conservative religious stronghold, one that's not welcoming to the LGBTQ community. But that's changing, in part thanks to Steph Vigil, a progressive Democrat recently elected to House District 16, a seat that had long been held by Republicans. Today is Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Representative-elect Steph Hill, Club Q is in the district you'll be representing at the legislature starting in January. Tell me how you're feeling about all of this right now. Yeah, well, it it really threw my identity into the spotlight in a way I hadn't ent- I hadn't planned on, which was a uh, not the curveball obviously that I was imagining before I even have a chance to get sworn in. Um, I wasn't shy or secretive about it if anyone cared or noticed in the course of my election. But I am a gender fluid person. I not I don't consider myself uh, fully all woman if that makes sense. But I I also didn't go around like telling people like hey that's a reason you should vote for me or making a huge huge deal out of it, you know. But all of a sudden here we've got you know an attack on the LGBTQ community, and I think it matters that we have increased representation. Uh, in her state legislature. Yeah. So tell me about what brought you to Colorado Springs, because I know you've been there for a while. How have you seen the city change? So I first came here in 1999 with my uh, family. I grew up in a religious fundamentalist home. They wanted to be part of New Life Church. It was a lot of the reason we came here. Uh, So I was in that community for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, New Life. This is like Pastor Ted Haggard church. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and being in that program was sort of like the like the beginning of my deconversion process of like, I don't think I want to be part of this religion. It says it doesn't. Um, it's not who I want to be. So I you know, stayed here until about my mid 20s. I moved to Chicago for a while. And then I moved back in 2015. And like in the intervening time, like just even just since I've been back the last, you know, seven years, we've been through we've been through a lot of growth. And I don't just mean like, obviously, new population, new development. Now, obviously, with many waves of growth in Colorado Springs over the years and the whole state of Colorado. But I think just culturally and as far as our um, just our diversity as, as a community as well, it's gotten a lot better. And also, <laughs> there's still this contingent here of folks who think that the the right way to be a Coloradan and the, the right way for the city to be is their way and only their way. 
And I, I don't think it's actually the core of our city's identity. It's not the kind of city we were founded to be. Uh, it's not the kind of city we've always been. It's a fairly still a relatively new phenomenon, the you know religious authoritarian presence. Uh, and I think they're getting very angry that the city is not being run by that angry minority anymore. Um, politically, it still very much is. Uh, just they've lost some ground and they've definitely lost some ground culturally. And so there's been a backlash. And yeah. it's sad how much like the morning that I woke up and saw the news about this, I was not surprised. I mean, appalled, very angry, but I'm like, yeah, we, we've been warning for a while. You keep saying things like this and like enabling people to be violent and eventually somebody's going to do something. So you're a person that grew up in a fundamentalist church community, which has a pretty pronounced presence in Colorado Springs. But at the same time, you're also talking about this city that's incredibly diverse and not represented by this religious establishment. Yeah. I, I wonder, can you talk about that battle that's sort of playing out in Colorado Springs in terms of like how the politics is working versus what's actually happening in your communities? Yeah, well... And, you know, Brie, we, we actually have always had in this city a proud, creative, loving, community-oriented resistance to the political establishment. It's always been here. I'm very much of the mindset that, like, our fair city deserves better. It deserves better representation, which is so much of the reason that I ran. Um, and I'm very proud of our win. We worked really, really hard for it. Um, it's a big shift forward for us as a community to, to, you know, pick up a new seat for a Democrat and a progressive. And, you know, just every step of the way, I've always felt like if there's anything you want to do in Colorado Springs that is, especially if it's creative or forward thinking or innovative in any way, you can always find a community for it. And I've experienced this with music, art, small business, obviously political action. They're just, we'd have actually a really good uh core of community-oriented folks here who are always down to do something collaborative and something constructive. And we just need to lean into it more, I think, um, and not let this dominating narrative take us over that that somehow, uh, you know, focus on the family runs Colorado Springs. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. They're here. They can do whatever they're going to do. They don't control my family. They don't control, um, you know, my my little sector of, of our community. We're, we're still here. We've always been here. Well, and I have to say, you're touching on why I wanted to talk to you. After the Club Q shooting, you shared some very raw sentiment on, on Twitter about this very crux of this problem, which is there's a narrative about Colorado Springs um, from coming from folks outside the city, especially folks in media, people like me, who see the military presence, but also that presence, like you said, a focus on the family and this like very pervasive, their anti-gay rhetoric. But I, I just, what are we, what are we outside of your community getting wrong about what Colorado Springs really is to you? Yeah, well, it's, so here's, here's the big thing about you know, like the the mega churches and, and organizations like, you know, Focus. And, and by the way, like they're just the, kind of the most obvious one. There's a whole network of, um, I think they used to call them like parachurch organizations, um, which includes like Compassion International, um, the International Bible Association, Cook Ministries. There's a bunch of like, there's a bunch of them. Um, and they do have a lot of headquarters here. They're kind of all in the same part of town. Uh, and also they're, they're relatively new in the grand scheme of things. They all started showing up in like the early nineties, which is around the time that, right? Like, like, you know, we got that amendment too, the, the, the hate state distinction the that, hate state, that, yes. that, that we got uh, hit with. I think we, I actually wasn't even here yet, but that's, think about that. That's like 30, it's like 30 ish years. 
The city is so much older than that. The city is also um, home to uh, Fannie Mae Duncan, who opened the Cotton Club. It was one of the only jazz clubs in the country that you could go to that was fully integrated because she just rejected Jim Crow and opened it up to everyone. Catherine Lee Bates wrote America the Beautiful from the top of Pikes Peak, looking out over Colorado Springs while attending Colorado College, right? Tesla had a lab here for a while. We have a lot of other bright spots in our city. And, and fundamentally, it was founded... Uh, by General Palmer to be a healthy place, a healthy, welcoming, tranquil place that you could come to if you were um, if you were unwell, especially for tuberculosis. And because we're part of the American West, this this is a frontier environment. You don't come here for people to control how you live. You come here to escape that kind of oppression and start a new life. And to me, like that's who we are as a city. Why why is that not the narrative that we tell about ourselves? It should be. Those dark pockets that we have, everybody's everybody's got those. Our charge is to deal with them and confront them and not to let our worst news stories become everything that we think about ourselves. So you, you kind of tweeted something about this. You said we're, we're presently caught in a paradox in Colorado Springs. We have a problem with bigotry here. It's real. It's also not the core of who we are as a city. And we absolutely can't afford to resign ourselves to it. What is that? What is that paradox? And what are you concerned about folks resigning themselves to? Yeah, well, you know, like I said, that we have um, we have those folks here. They have a lot of presence. Um, they have a lot of political power, to be sure. And also, again, not the kind of city we were founded to be and not ultimately what we're made of. And certainly there are a lot of, like I said, a lot of pockets that are very artistic and creative and diverse and welcoming to all different kinds of people. If focus on the family uh, packed up and left town and, and most of the rest of that network left with them tomorrow, if they all just left, um, that would actually be a return to normalcy for Colorado Springs. Because, again, those folks have only been here since the early 90s, like really here and established and, you know, taken up a lot of the oxygen. Somehow, we, though, we've got it in our heads that like, well, this is just this is just how it is here and it's never going to change. Like it already is a change. It's a change from how the city used to be. So you got to have some some room in your imagination for what your town is going to be like, Um, because this is this is a young still a young city and a young state in the American West. There's there's no law that says we have to be run by whoever has the most money and is taking taking up the most airtime right now. Um, And if we allow them to do that, we're we're ceding control. And And it matters because we're not talking about like a you know, like a liberal minded, um, diverse political establishment. We're talking about a very particular worldview that is hostile to others that is taking up the political establishment right now. And I, I don't think we should allow that. It, like, turn up the value. Let's turn up the volume on, on the good yeah. parts of us as well. Um, because I think for people who are really intolerant and and bigoted about these things, and, and I, I speak very frankly about it, I, I don't they're they're just being bigoted. It's not yeah. it's not a religious freedom issue because no one's telling them they have to do anything. They're they're imposing it on us. So something else I'm thinking about is often what happens in marginalized communities is the burden falls on the community itself to do all the work. And you're a legislator, you're a future, you're a, a legislative elect who is representing the LGBTQ community. But what do you expect or hope from your fellow legislators who maybe don't identify with your community? Yeah, I have to say, I'm so glad you brought this up because uh, it gives me an opportunity to, to praise my colleagues a little bit. Um, as a 
brand new rep elect in uh, the Democratic caucus of the House. And by the way, we have like the the largest uh, caucus we've ever had. We also have the largest LGBTQ caucus in our state legislature that we've ever had. Right away, I found that uh, I was super well resourced and supported by our caucus leadership, um, by my fellow newbies and incumbent members. Everybody kind of just was like, oh, what can we do to help help support all of you? Uh, and that included, a, you know, a few of my uh, colleagues coming down to attend a, a vigil at one of the churches here, which was nice because I had the opportunity to kind of show them the Colorado Springs I know, which, you know, is more like uh, white blood cells rushing to a wound than anything else. My, my colleagues really proved themselves to be supportive, collaborative, uh, compassionate folks that, that were, you know, we're here for each other when our communities are in need. So. I, I really look forward to continuing to expect that kind of support, you know, in the same way that it, it shouldn't be up to communities of color to, to fight for their rights alone when there's oppression going on. Uh, and it shouldn't be up to folks with disabilities to fight for themselves alone when they're not being accommodated and treated well. It's, it's all of us or none of us, right? We're going to rise together or fall together as a society. That's how this works. Representative-elect Steph Feehill, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you making some time to include a voice from our community, you know, Colorado Springs and, and uh, you know, our LGBTQ folks here. And here's what else Denverites are talking about a billionaire and his cheese empire. The Denver Post reports that last week, a jury ruled that James Laprino of Colorado's Laprino Foods would not have to pay two of his nieces $900 million after they say they were pushed out of the company following a family dispute. Chances are you've had a taste of the Laprino Foods dynasty. The company is the largest producer of mozzarella in the world and supplies the shredded delight to the country's biggest pizza chains. And finally, how far would you drive for a soak? What's your favorite hot springs destination? If you've got a particular thermal pool you'd like to visit in Colorado, tell us about it. Call our hot springs hotline at 720-500-5418 and give us your best recs. Leave us a voicemail with your name, neighborhood, and preferred mineral pool, and you might hear it on the show. That number again is 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the cheesehead in your life about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. And it's like, I love that kind of cheese too, but it's not like it's like finely aged cheese. It's like factory cheese, which is my favorite as well. I mean, I love a nice age. I literally had the world's best blue cheese at a wedding I went to this summer in the at the winery. Like they brought it out. They were like, this has been awarded the world's best blue cheese award. And it was insane. It was so good. But I will also like eat American cheese any day. I don't care.